0: This podcast proudly brought to you by Boss Shot Shells. Old school is back in season. Experience superior shells when you go with Boss Shot Shells. Their premium non-toxic bismuth shells knock birds down so hard that the old guys might just think they're shooting lead again. Make sure you check out Boss Shot Shells for your next purchase of shotgun shells. what's going on folks i'm jordan from duck gun chronicles got my co-host elliot graybeard from freelance duck hunting and our guest for tonight is josh from outdoor limits how you doing tonight josh
1: i'm doing excellent how are you guys
0: doing good ready to get rolling um we're both fresh off the start of the season elliot's still uh kind of waiting around and dragging his feet but yeah definitely doing good
2: Someone got really mad at me about my rats with wings comment.
0: <laughs> I've been calling
2: I've been calling doves rats with wings on a podcast a little bit a few times, Josh. I oh, like yeah. I like doves, okay, but here's what I'm saying. If you get a blue wing teal or a mallard and you hold it in your hand, right hand, and you get a dove and you hold it in your left hand, you compare the two. Which one looks like a rat with wings and which one's classy and elegant and fantastic. That's all I'm saying. It's the symbol of peace though. <laughs> shouldn't
0: be <laughs> the teal should be the symbol of peace <laughs> yes or like yeah, I, don't know. I don't know but yeah i took a lot
2: someone was really pissed off at me about that they were like it was the comment was like well you obviously don't know how to shoot or eat dove i'm like no just like up it's a joke man it's a joke I, I, I i've hunted plenty of doves in my life it's a joke people take things pretty seriously <laughs> yeah.
0: i don't yeah. yeah i think you're pretty biased though in your assumption because like i don't think the a teal is like the most. Like usually, when I pull a teal out of the water, it's like swampy. There's pond scum stuck on it. And yeah, and like, they got
2: little <laughs> bugs crawling all over them. In yeah, yeah, that's true too. <laughs> well, all those ducks have those little bugs on top. Those bugs are cute. I just put them straight into my hair. <laughs> you don't eat them. <laughs> oh, those cute little, cute little bugs.
0: You ever
1: eaten a duck tongue? No. <laughs> I've seen it happen. Last year on opening day, we had one of my buddies. It was his first time shooting a duck, and we were like, "Dude, you gotta eat the duck tongue with your first duck." <laughs> and he actually—it was a green winged teal, and he bit it and then ripped the tongue out and it ripped Ugh. like two little prong muscles out of the throat of the duck. It was—it was, it was kind of gross, but it was kind of fun watching him
2: eat it. <laughs> uh, how well did you know this guy? Was this—was this a guy that just like uh, contacted you, it's like? come hunt with me. you like YouTube, great guy. And then you're like, yeah, I'm going to make you eat a duck tongue. No,
1: it was, it was my, uh, my best friend's frat brother. <laughs>
2: Nasty. <laughs> no, no thanks.
0: Yeah, no, that'd be pretty gross. I'm going <laughs> to, no duck tongue, tongue for me either. No Cajun
2: crunch and no duck. Do- You've done the Cajun crunch though, I think. That's haven't you? of times. Uh, why? Why? Bite, bite till you taste blood. <laughs> you got to dispatch them.
1: It's a, uh, you know, it's a,
2: why, why, why would you, ch- why would you do that?
1: You got to feel like a real man
2: is what it really, ah, oh, man, I'm a, stay a little child then. Because That's nasty.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm a, I'm more of like a finisher kind of guy. I can't wring their necks, So
1: I struggle with those things.
2: It's an art man. There's an art form to snap in that neck. You got to do it right. You can, you can, if you do it right, you can feel that neck break within like one twist. You just got a you thumb also, placement. Like a honker. Oh, yeah, yeah, honkers. On different, a, on a
1: honker, you could put your knee in their back and just pop their head up real quick.
0: Hmm. Huh. never seen really that long. one.
2: Yeah, I definitely do struggle at uh, ringing honkers next, for sure. That's a whole different game. So what, yeah, how, what do you is. do? You put your knee in their back? Explain that a little bit more. So, like, you lay them down like
1: you would, like, a, a shell or whatever. So then you put your knee right in the center of their back, grab them by their neck, and then just pop their head up real quick and snap their neck.
2: Huh. Hmm. I've never heard that.
0: Me either. But I'll probably stick to Finisher just because it's easier.
2: <laughs> yeah, I'd, like, I'd but, like to see that. You should stick that in one of your videos. That'd be
0: interesting. Yeah, that's true. That'd be a good one for sure. Yeah. see that.
2: That never happens, though. I kill them
1: every time with one shell. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no cripples.
1: Four-inch T-shot. you know they used to have an f shot i know i've seen it i've seen it i've got um a friend who has a box of them still dang we open one up and those pellets are just outrageously big
0: like buckshot
2: yeah there's like 56 pellets in a three and a half inch shell dang there was a bigger one that thought they used to call i know my family members always used to call it triple op buck and i never saw a shell But I know it was bigger than F. It was just a monster, monster load. Somebody in the comments
1: says, uh, YouTube ain't letting that video get aired. How to rip a goose's head off. (laughs) (laughs) Demonetize. Yeah. (laughs) i got a
2: video Made though him. that um on one of my my best kansas river goose hunt aiden just tortures a goose on video he's i mean he's trying to he's trying to uh rip it like uh, break its neck and everything and i'm talking and you can just kind of see him and you hear this, this goose is just like oh my gosh it was awful not good <laughs>
0: All right, now's a good time for a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump right back into the podcast. Gunner's American-made dog boxes come with a lifetime warranty and the market's only CPS crash test certification. The guys over at Gunner Kennels have conducted major stress tests to show just how strong they really are, like applying 4,000 pounds of force, dropping a 630-pound hammer from 8 feet and shooting it with a 12 gauge shotgun at 7 paces with no bullet penetration. Engineered for your dog and built for your peace of mind, Gunner doesn't cut any corners. Nothing comes close to the G1. Go to GunnerKennels.com and use code DUCKGUN10 at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Alrighty guys, I am super pumped to introduce you guys to a couple new partners this week on the podcast, the first one being Motion Duck Decoy Spreader and Jerk System. Um, it sets up in seconds, It's it, it creates incredible realistic decoy swimming motion, and it really puts the birds at ease seeing that natural um, movement in your spread, you know, when they're coming in, uh, something that I'll definitely be using a lot this season. Um, you know, th- one of the big benefits is you have the birds swimming in a flock opposed to the um, straight line that you see in traditional jerk systems. Um, it's just a really cool system um, that's great for realistic motion. And you guys know, Elliot and I harp on that a lot. Um, saying, you gotta have motion, gotta have motion. That's something that we always are making sure we have. You know, especially on those windless days. It's just another great option to have to put in your tool bag. So they're giving us a great deal that we get to share with you guys. Um, if you guys use code DuckGun. All one word. Um, you can get ten percent off, a free anchor bag, and free shipping in the U.S. So definitely check that out. Also, super excited to um, bring back a former partner that we had from last year, HGR Innovations, and HR Innovations should be no stranger to you guys. Um, you've heard of us. You've heard us talk about them on the podcast many times, and a lot of you guys know that um, I work with them as well. So. Uh, Definitely super pumped about that, but they have all American-made products. Um, Their their motto is, live American, buy American, die American. HDR Innovations is an American-made company providing American-made waterfowl products built by Americans for Americans, for those hardcore waterfowlers who are rugged and tough on equipment. Look no further. From A-frames and gun stands to quack packs and layout pads, we build our products to last outlasting the competition with a backed five-year warranty on all our gear. If you're into buying foreign-made products, then take a seat while we stand for American-made. Gear up for your waterfowl needs this season at com. It's just that easy. So, big shout-out to all of our partners. Um, we couldn't do it without uh, the support, you know, um, Given us that support to help keep the lights on so if you guys are looking for a way to um, support the podcast as well you know just just be sure to um, check out our partners um, we make sure to partner with people that are that are awesome and make quality products um, so just be sure to check them out and let them know um, that you heard about them from our podcasts Alrighty, let's jump back into the podcast all right before we get too far in this um i mean you don't need a real introduction. Most most everyone uh, knows you on, on the YouTubes, but um, go ahead and let people know who you are and what you get going on, Josh.
1: All right. Well, my name is Josh, and I'm the YouTube content creator for the channel Outdoor Limits. So I'm pretty big in the hunting community when it comes to YouTube. I've been doing it for four or five years now, and it's just kind of taken off into something that probably none of us could have ever imagined it to turn into which is super cool but yeah i'm just i'm just a kid that posts videos on youtube and goes duck hunting not
2: much else to it awesome i got a quick question for you moving on something else when you started because i was actually watching your season one videos um because both of our our we've we've run exactly the same time frame you and i mm-hmm. and um So I've been watching you since that season one. And I know season one, when when you were doing that, what what was your goal? Was your goal to build it? Because I know you had a different thing going, but was your goal to build it or were you just playing around? It was more or less just playing around, filming hunts for the
1: buddies to just watch pretty much. Yeah. And then, you know, season one, I filmed maybe, I don't know, eight to 10 of like 30 hunts I went on that season. Like it was a, a really good year and I wish I filmed more hunts that year but it was more or less just filming to have something to look back on and then season two came rolling around and started taking things a little bit more seriously and that's when things really
2: took off yeah that was a neat time because i mean other than your channel and my channel there was hardly anyone doing that vlog style do you remember anyone else i'm sure there had to be some other people i don't remember i remember before i started my channel i was looking for different types of um youtube videos i found one guy that was doing like episode one episode two episode three but he did like three episodes and they were really bad but at that time it was like nothing like this out there now it's just exploded do you remember was there anyone else doing it back then
0: uh
1: three years ago four years ago four
2: years ago yeah
1: the only one that comes to mind was Drake Valley, but I don't even know if that was the right time period or not.
2: No, he started. He started. He he started a couple of years after that, actually. But there's been such a transition on YouTube. It's been yeah. really, really cool to be a part of, and to witness it. And, and and it's just a whole turned into a beast of its own, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. It yeah. really
2: has. It's been cool to watch, especially being like one of the
1: first people to do it, and then just see it take off. It's unreal.
0: Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely something cool. And now there's a, uh, you know, a whole lot of us doing it and I shouldn't even say a whole lot. It's really kind of a small niche community when you think about everybody that does it. But, um, you know, I was right, right along with Elliot kind of watching your first videos and your first, um, season. And honestly, that's right when I was thinking about doing it cause I started filming my hunts. Actually, I, I wasn't even hunting the first season and I watched both of your guys' videos Um, in the off season and then the season after that, I I like kind of dabbled in trying to film, but I really didn't even know how to hunt or film or anything. So my first season was a, you know, uh, not much of anything, but, (laughs) um, but yeah, let's kind of, I guess, can you tell us how you got into duck hunting?
1: So I got into duck hunting my freshman year of college. So that was about five years ago. And my buddy Adam took me down to Marjuzine. And it was, I think it was Christmas break. And I had six decoys I bought the night before. And that's all we had. We went out there. It was was like a perfect ducky day. Like snowstorm just rolled through right before everything iced up. There was ducks everywhere. But we had no freaking clue what we were doing. We had duck calls that we thought we knew how to blow. (laughs) And... So we got out there, had some ducks fly by, didn't take any shots, and then after that we went out a couple other times, and since then it just kind of stuck. But actually, that's duck hunting. Goose hunting dates back to when I was about 16 years old, and nobody in my family hunts, and nobody, well except for my cousin, but we started hunting at the same time. So I had nobody to really teach me how to do any of this stuff, so I figured... I'd take it upon myself to go up to my family's farm where geese come through every year and tried goose hunting, failed miserably every time. <laughs> but there was this one time where I had, I eventually built up a spread to where I had two dozen s- shells and I remember one day I was set up and I had a herd of cacklers come in right on top of me and I didn't know when to shoot because all I had was like TV shows and YouTube of these <laughs> geese backpedaling in the deeks meanwhile I had like 150 to 200 cacklers right on top of me at 20 yards and I didn't even shoot so that's kind of (laughs) a bummer but it really just comes back to really learning it firsthand and I started goose hunting by myself got introduced to duck hunting by my friend about five years ago and then just got in with some friends who really knew what they were doing and taught me everything they
2: knew and now we're here I'd say one of the most impressive things about you is how quick your learning curve is. I know I've been going at this about 27 years and, and um, your learning curve for picking things up is really, really quick. Are you, I know before, I think you said you do a lot of reading. And stuff. How, how are you? So, how are you able to adapt and learn so quickly? So the best thing
1: that I had was, learning it firsthand and being a college student, I mean, I was able to hunt four to five days a week. So that gave me the amount of time that, you know, like half a season goes by, I've already got enough hunts under my belt. that most people have under their belt by the time, if they started hunting when they were six, they've had by 14 or 15 years old, you know? So if you really think about it, I just had the same amount of hunts pretty much, compressed into a smaller amount of time and it gave me a lot of time to really learn things and learning that areas where i was hunting themselves that was really beneficial as well but i did a lot of reading always watched videos on how to do things and then also just going through blogs and reading duck hunting forums and things like that if i had any questions but the best thing to teach me anything was first-hand experience with people who were passing their knowledge on to me but it, it's always a learning experience when you're in the field. You never know too much about duck hunting to not learn something new. And it's just like this past season, I learned all about hunting out of an A-frame and that's, that just changed the game for me when it came down to hunting geese. It's just being in a layout blind versus an A-frame. I would pick an A-frame every single day. But yeah, I, I think it just comes down to me being a student of the sport and le- trying my best to learn whatever I can.
2: I think you're also a very detail oriented person. And I've, I've noticed that in some of your Hunter Hall videos, um, cause I, I do, I've done the Hunter's Hall thing as well as you have. And I've just kind of compared mine versus And one thing I've noticed about your videos is you're extremely detail oriented in everything you do. And I think that that makes a huge difference in the learning curve as well.
1: Yeah. I, I might have slight OCD with things, and it's, I think it's kind of grown on me throughout the years. I used to not be very OCD, but I think now I am very detail oriented, and I try to take my time to really look at things and you know try and examine all the outcomes of things as well. So it's always good to be detail oriented and a neat freak and a clean freak, but yeah, it's definitely kind of grown. <laughs>
0: Something I wanted to hit on um, that you said kind of earlier um, about um, starting hunting and not coming from a hunting family and, and that, that not really being your background. And really, I think that's kind of uh, kind of the future of hunting. You know, we're, we're getting more and more um, hunters who haven't been a part of it kind of starting up um, for whatever reason. But what, what kind of drew you to hunting, um, you know, not really having – anybody to kind of pull you in that direction
1: so i guess i started my whole outdoor experiences with fishing with my dad and so hunting was never really a thought in my mind until i was i don't know at least in high school sophomore year and it just kind of became an interest to me for some reason. It was something I was curious about. Like you go into Bass Pro, go to the fishing section, but then in the upstairs there's all this hunting gear, and it's like, okay, I've never been up there, don't know anything about that. I want to learn more about this. And so I started out deer hunting, trying to deer hunt, and um, yeah, it was. Did that go to about learn.
0: as good as your uh, your goose hunting?
1: No, I actually the first time I went deer hunting, I shot a deer but that's because i went with my wrestling coach who decided to take me out and uh he put me in a tree stand to shoot one that walks by and boom there it was and then the year after that i tried to put in time to bow hunt i could have shot two deer that year but it just never really worked out so yeah coming from a family that didn't hunt it kind of gave me a different perspective on things because it, it forced me to go out of my comfort zone and learn things and really try to figure it out. And in the long run, it caused me to make new friends and build more connections, which was very helpful.
0: Awesome. So is, uh, is your buddy, you said Adam, he was the one that got you into duck hunting. Is he still sponsored by Rogers?
1: No, but I am
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's a good segue. <laughs> yeah. I, I no. wasn't
2: aware of that. Tell talk to us about that. Um, I haven't seen it on your videos or anything. Is this something brand new?
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's very new. And so I was up at Rogers for the waterfowl weekend. I got to talking to them. And so worked out a deal where I'll be promoting stuff for Rogers, which is super cool because they're pretty local to the area and it's Rogers. But I've been a longtime supporter of their their stuff. And it's great to have that kind of opportunity and to have those kind of businesses reach out to me and say, hey, I like what you're doing. We want to support you. So that's really cool. But the, the best thing is when we were at Rogers, I was up there with Adam when we started talking to the people up there. And we, I look over at him and we're just we're looking at each other going, is this really happening? But um, yeah, it's that is pretty cool. funny
0: because that was one of your rolling jokes in like season one or season two. Mm-hmm. We're in the Rogers stuff.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so you can be doing product reviews and things like that or how's that going to look on your channel?
0: Yeah,
1: so I'm going to try and integrate some of their products into the videos and do product reviews in and of itself. So um, it's going to be pretty natural integration, nothing where I'm trying to shove product down people's throats, but I do like to give honest reviews of products and I've kind of turned into a product review channel of some sort Mm -hmm, because I've done so many product reviews. But mainly I'm going to be using and promoting their products in the videos and also doing reviews and helping them promote their promotions and things like that.
2: Oh, that's great.
0: Cool. All right. Well, um, I guess let's move to the next topic and let's go with, um, your life after college and kind of, what do you, what do you get going on? Um, you know, now that you're graduated, how, how's that changed things for you with uh, running your YouTube and all that?
1: All right. Well, I graduated in college in May and then I moved back home. i in my parents' house now. And so I've been, I got a job working for the park and rec district for the county. And so I really enjoy it. And it's only a three-day-a-week job, which is nice. And so it's providing me, um, one, I'm getting a pension and I've got a 401k. So that's pretty nice. But Also, it provides me kind of a steadier income than YouTube does because in the summertime, things just drop super hard and you really got to plan for that drop. So having that job definitely helps. But when it comes down to YouTube, living in my parents' house hasn't necessarily been the greatest experience for me (laughs) when it comes down to making videos and having like a studio of sorts, because when I was in college, I had a two bedroom apartment and I turned one of the bedrooms into my office or studio and it's just really weird for me to not have a designated space for filming. But I'll be closing on a house come September 30th and I'm looking forward to having my office back and having a studio. But it's kind of weird balancing a job and hunting now, and YouTube, which is my other job, it's more of a job than my other job at this point, so Ideally, I'd be able to do YouTube full time, but at this point in time, that's probably not the smartest decision when I'm buying a house and getting married, and probably gonna have to buy a new truck. And so, having a part time job three days a week, it's not too bad, and I'm able to balance it. I actually talked my boss into letting me work 12 hours a week in the wintertime during duck season. So, I have to work <laughs> 12 to keep my benefits.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. so well that's not bad (laughs) right 12 hours and and duck hunting a lot so no that's a it sounds like you got a pretty good setup with all that and um you know congratulations on the house and uh getting married and um sounds like you got a lot of life changes coming up
1: yeah it's it's gonna be a fun year uh not only because it's gonna be a good hunting season and youtube's really kind of starting to turn into more of a job than anything which is amazing turning your dream into a job but getting a house, getting married settling down. I mean, it's going to be fun here. What, well, when's uh, your wedding? When's the actual date of the wedding? April 18th.
0: Are you, okay. are you going to live stream it on YouTube?
1: Probably not. <laughs> I've got a personal life.
0: I know. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Cause that's like a thing with some big YouTubers, but yeah, uh, I always find it kind of, uh, kind of funny.
1: Yeah. We're but, just uh, having pictures taken. We're not even having somebody do a video.
0: Nice. Um, Obviously, you're getting married and all that kind of stuff, but um, how does she feel about the amount of duck hunting you do?
1: <laughs> she doesn't care about the amount of duck hunting I do. She cares about how much I'm gone.
0: Yeah, <laughs> gotcha. Jim.
1: I think September and October are the worst because I've got to travel all the way across the state and across state lines between Nebraska and Kansas. Pretty much this weekend, I'm going to go to Nebraska. Next week I'm going to Central Kansas. And then got a little dead zone. And I'm gonna go back to Nebraska. Then I'm gonna go back to Central Kansas. So I'm gonna be gone quite a bit. And that's kind of hard on her, especially since we don't live together. So we mm-hmm. we have to like cut out time to see each other too. So that's yep. kind of a bummer. But she doesn't mind how much I hunt. She knows it's my job.
2: So that's kind of nice. Awesome. That is always great when you go like, well, this is my job. You go shoot <laughs> ducks. I, you know, I gotta make money. I gotta, you know you want that new coat <laughs> <laughs> yeah we gotta pay for a wedding let me go hunting
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah no it's a, it sounds like that's a good deal there for sure so um so have you, have you heard of have you heard of the flyways collective by chance
1: <laughs> i have i've seen a few videos on it on youtube
0: oh yeah cool so I guess this is where we talk about that. <laughs>
2: yeah, the big reveal last last week we talked kind of teased about um, a new addition to the Flyaways Collective. And if you guys have not heard of the Flyaways Collective, it's Jordan and myself, Matt from High Prairie Sportsmen, um, Thomas from Virginia Outdoors Unlimited, and Titus from mid Valley mercenary. And we have added a new member and he is right here. So this is the sixth member of the flyways collective. This is the big and big reveal when no one has been, no one's mentioned it. This is it right here. So this is mm-hmm. the number six member of the flyways collective.
0: Awesome.
1: I just hear the fireworks going off.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Trumpets playing. So my, my, I guess the one thing we want to ask you is, um, you know, cause Jordan and I were talking about, you know, you know, we should talk to Josh, get him on and everything. And, and Jordan's like, Oh, I think he'll join. I think. So I'm like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. I was thinking like serving it, would it actually be beneficial to you and those types of things? So we'd like to hear it out of your mouth. What was your thought process in deciding to join our group, uh, the collectives? Well,
1: I just think it's a really cool concept and I've been growing by myself for way too long. And having the opportunity to collaborate with everybody is an awesome opportunity. And then again, I'm also giving the opportunity of my presence with you guys as well, which is kind of neat. So I actually thought about doing this a few weeks before you guys launched the thing. So I, I told Jordan that when I was on the phone with him. So it's it's a really cool opportunity and I figured it is it was the next step to take. I mean, yeah, I'm coming in with a lot more subscribers than everybody else, but everybody has their own things to offer. And it's not just about subscribers and about views. It's about knowledge and working together. Here's what's working on YouTube. What are you guys doing for videos this week? And just having that kind of, I guess a core member core group of people to just collaborate and bounce ideas off of it's, it's very beneficial, especially with what we do here on YouTube.
0: Yeah.
2: I totally agree. And I'd say, you know, people, you know, just there's very few people in my life I can talk about, talk to that understand because I mean, putting out this much content and trying to grow a channel, it's a grind. It's a struggle. There's all these things going on in your mind. I mean, I can talk to my wife about it and she hears about it, but (laughs) having like this core group of collective members who like, trying to achieve the same goal which is basically financial independence uh, and sharing what we love, translating what we love and having this group that we can talk to and share these things with is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. You can't beat it.
0: No, it's definitely solid and definitely a great addition to have you join in all of us and one thing we've talked about quite a few is um, uh, quite a few times is in in the future November we got <laughs> an awesome uh, collab hunt um, and you'll be joining us on that as well so um, definitely probably the the number one thing I'm excited for this season is going out there on November 1st and uh, <laughs> or whenever it is um, but uh, going out there and having this big collab three, three day hunts and we're all going to be filming all the hunts and um, you know I'm going to try not to bring my bad luck and skunks all the way to Kansas, but uh, it's definitely going to be a lot of fun doing that.
2: It's certainly going to be an interesting environment. So we have six different YouTubers and our crews basically converging on this one rustic primitive lake camp, uh, cabin. And we're just going to be hanging out and duck hunting and making content and everything. and, and, it's going to be, it's going to be phenomenal. And I don't know how much you've been into central Kansas in late October in mid to late October, but there, have you ever heard of the funnel, Josh? No, I haven't. So there's the, the funnel, and this is really true. You've got, um, some of these marshes in central Kansas and a lot of ducks. It's or not, I'm sorry, not the funnel, the hourglass, it's called the hourglass. And mm-hmm. so you get a huge, huge migration to the center of the state and in october specifically october and early november and on our side of the state we just completely miss it where it's like pentails redheads wigeon where we're looking at our marshes and we're like where are the ducks and it's like oh they're in the hourglass so um the hourglass is a definitely a real real thing because everything just there's so many huge prairie marsh wetlands in the interior of the state and just masses migrate through it and they just kind of skip us
0: so that's where we're going to be for that's the hunts. That's where we're
2: going to be in the hourglass. Yep.
0: Right in Pentel Central. Yep.
2: <laughs> Watch out! You can only shoot one. Yeah. Well, that'd be one more
0: than he's ever shot. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so no, definitely looking to, uh, definitely looking forward to that, and excited for all of that. So. All right. Um. So you got a new website?
1: <laughs> yeah, I do. Launched it yesterday. And,
0: and is your uh, is your logo? It's new too, as well.
1: Well, it's just a design for hats and shirts. I'm keeping the logo the same, like what's branded on my channel on Instagram. It's just kind okay. of a fun alteration of it. And that, I mean, I think it's pretty sweet. So yeah, so and that looks pretty. We're cool. gonna put that on a hat.
2: Had you been awesome. using that fishing hook design? I thought I didn't realize you'd been using it since you switched your channel name. Was that still being used?
1: Yeah, it's. Uh, I had that design made when the channel was still Kansas Fisherman, So then I changed the name, just swapped the letters out on the logo. Cause I, I mean, the the logo itself, it's kind of cool to think about because the main main majority of it is a duck head, but then you just have this slight little fish hook on the side, finishing it off. And it kind of describes my content because I mean, most of my content is duck hunting, but you know, occasionally I get out and do some fishing as well.
2: I didn't realize you'd kept the fishing hook for some reason. When you change the channel name, until this, until I was looking at that hat. I didn't, I didn't realize you had. To hang on. I thought maybe that was a little throwback, but I like that.
1: mm Hmm.
0: Awesome. So, so if, uh, if
1: people are wondering what the website is, it's outdoorlimitsshop.com.
0: Nice. And I know I, I took a, a brief glance at it today, and um, looks like you got some hats and t-shirts on there. You got plans for other stuff in the future coming up on there as well, or?
1: Yeah. I do. It's just, it's a very big upfront cost setting these things up. So I was like, okay, we're going to just go ahead and launch these things and then we'll let it ride for a little bit and then we'll add some new stuff later down the road. So the more orders we get, the more um, new stuff will come out pretty much because cool. I've got to recoup that initial investment and then start reinvesting it into the business to where, you know, I, I can make a profit off of it to help support what I do here but then also be able to come out with hoodies or beanies or new logos on t-shirts and hats. So it's going to take a little bit of time, but there's going to be some new stuff coming.
0: Nice. Um, and uh, with that, um, I know it's, it's a little different from what you were doing last year. You want to talk about that at all, or is that a topic yeah. we should skip over or what? So.
1: Yeah. Last year I was doing my apparel through ducks and uh, doing promotions for them. And so basically I was, I told myself when I started, I was like, you know, I'll let it ride for a year. See, see how it goes, see what I think. And, uh, by the end of the year I was like, you know, I think I'm, I'm finally at the point now where I can launch my own website and do it all. Because initially I just, I did not have the financial capability to launch a full on website and buy all this back stock of apparel but now i'm finally there to where i can do that and i honestly like before that i was doing it with mallewacker outfitters out of my apartment and i went over to ducks after that fell through and then when i was with ducks i i I missed the ability to say i want this design made and i want it on this shirt and this shirt and do it here i missed having the ability to say i want this now and we're going to make it but then again i also missed being able to see orders come through, like even with launching the website yesterday, I get notifications on my phone when people place an order. And for me, that's just super cool to see, to see people supporting the channel. And you know, I've kind of bounced around the idea of this. I want to know what you guys think. What if um, I created an Instagram page of Outdoor Limit Shop, where people tag that in posts, so then I can either put them in the videos or, or post them on the Instagram itself. What do you guys think of that?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Cool. I guess I'm not exactly following the concept, but <laughs> so people
1: order a hat or a shirt for me, right? Yeah. And then they post it on Instagram and tag me in it with a different Instagram. So that I can kind of keep track of what's what. And then I can take those photos and post them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and just kind of get the people who order stuff and watch the videos involved in the content. <clears throat>
0: nice so
1: i don't know what you guys think of that well
2: Although, i mean the, the whole DC thing movie. about youtube and social media is which is different from tv because tv was all like the screen outward and youtube and instagram it's like the interaction back and forth and so um the more i think to me the more you can do to to continue the interaction back and forth with the people that are consuming yeah. the content the better you're going to be
0: mm-hmm. definitely agree with that yeah so uh with know, uh, kind a kind of transition around okay
1: go ahead and transition
0: <laughs> so transition into um the next kind of topic I wanted to touch on so i know you're you're moving and um you know how's that going to change your hunting grounds and all that i know uh you, you probably had a, a pretty decent grasp on where you're hunting and uh you know, anytime you move or change, you got to change spots or, or travel further to, you know, hunt your old ground. So I, do you got kind of a plan for this upcoming season?
1: I do. So my old stomping grounds from my new house that I'll move into is 55 minutes away. So that's still not bad to go duck hunt. I know I've driven a lot farther to do that, <laughs> but the house I'm buying is also like 15 minutes away from a boat ramp in another place. So I'm gaining another new closer area that's new to me. It's a lot closer and I can keep an eye on it pretty much every day, but my old area isn't so far away that I can't go to it in a morning and come back. So I don't think it'll affect me too much. I've built up a lot of connections over this past season, built a lot of new friendships and that's really beneficial as well because I've got people all around the area now that I can go hunt with as well. So Nice. And i'm gonna have to probably get out and knock on some doors and figure out what's leased and not who has permission on what and that's kind of the fun of it as well but it's also kind of a bummer when you keep getting rejected
0: (laughs) oh yeah yeah i don't know how it is in kansas but indiana i say it's like uh the ratio is probably somewhere to like it's like five percent success rate it's hard to say hard to say
2: I imagine where you went to college the success rate was way better than five percent because the population density there compared to where you are now is a lot less mm-hmm. i think yeah. locally in this area you'll probably have more problems just because there's so many yeah. more people banging on well
1: boards. after i was towards the end of my college career there was a lot of ground getting leased and that mm. was kind of a real bummer i had some ground leased out from under me which really sucked but I'm pretty sure that's probably the case
2: up here. There's a lot of leased ground.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm sure it's
0: probably. Any any plans to lease yourself or?
1: <laughs> I gotta pay for a house and a wedding. <laughs> Do you want me to duck hunt?
0: <laughs> I hear you. It's uh, I've I've never leased anything, but it's like you said, the more you get rejected, the more. And I've literally asked people, or people have literally asked me if I want to lease. And then they, I say no, then they say no. And so it's like, I don't know. The more and more I get said said no to, the more tempting it is to lease something at some point. Mm-hmm. I've never done it, but I might at some point.
2: I got it's burnt just, on mine, man. I'm done leasing for a while after getting... <laughs> we leased a sweet-looking place for five grand, never hunted at once, not a duck on one was on it. It was
1: awful. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's putting all your eggs in one basket there. and Yeah. Like, if you have a spot that, you know, the ducks or geese regularly use year after year, go ahead and lease it. But it helps, it really does help to know the history because a lot of properties have duck history and a lot of properties don't have duck history. So it could look amazing, but the ducks never show up. So it's really good to do your research and watch a property year after year before
2: you lease it. Yeah, that's such good advice. Right after we leased our property, I did a video on it showed it and i was contacted by this guy on instagram he's like we leased that the last few years and we didn't shoot a single duck <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> we had just put in the money and everything and we're like okay well maybe they didn't grow the crops properly maybe they flooded it wrong and sure enough man we we've planted millet we had a great crop we were real careful how we flooded it and everything and I, for some reason the ducks just wouldn't go in there weird if i was
1: gonna lease anything i'd lease a chunk of land to plant sunflowers
0: on to dove hunt <laughs> you know uh yeah that that brings up an interesting topic so i haven't told you this yet elliot but um i was actually talking to um uh, i don't know if you want to call it dnr or or a manager of um an indiana fwa and so i was asking about um hunting in certain locations and i'm like hey there's this spot that floods up um, on one of the dove fields, and I've noticed that ducks go into it. And um, can I hunt that? And they said that um, it was a gray area because um, it might be considered baiting for the ducks. <laughs> so yeah, no, that I was a I head scratcher for me too. I, I said, um, if it if it's baiting for the ducks, wouldn't it be considered baiting for the doves? If you're you got a state. Um, sunflower field that's cut down for dove hunting. <laughs> what
2: well, they said? They're
0: like, I they said it was a gray area. So, they, <laughs> so they said it. I think they might have been just misinformed. I don't know. But the way they told me is that because um, they're not actually a DNR officer. That's why I was saying they're like a manager of the area or something. Um, but they no, they said that it could be considered baiting for for ducks. I'm like, well, then it would be baiting for doves, and it's a state grown field. So I don't know. Weird. but yeah I, I just i'm double checking with you guys because I, I thought that was crazy <laughs>
2: yeah that's strange
0: yeah so yeah. laws where need you to da- be
2: updated i think the bathing laws are a little bit <laughs> i think they need to work on them
0: yeah i mean but they're both federal federal birds right migratory birds mm-hmm. so they should be under the same regulations i would
2: assume do they cut those and leave them when they on those fields
0: I don't know. I've always heard it called, I've never seen what process they use or how they do it, but I've always heard it or uh, people describe it as mowing a sunflower field. Yeah. But I mean, like,
2: like the, the millet patches and stuff where we hunt, they mow, they mow sections of it and don't harvest it out. I know for a fact they do. I know, th- I know the guy that does it and, and they, they go cause they've got too much smart weed or millet. So they go and they mow trails, they mow holes, but I don't think they harvest that stuff out. I have yeah, to double check. you know i'm going to ask him i'm going to ask him after we get done here tonight i'm going to i'm going to text him and see because i'm pretty <laughs> sure i don't think i know they mow that stuff and i don't think they're like cuz in order for it to not be baiting you would have to mow it and then take it out
0: yeah it's like normal agricultural uh, pro, uh processes right? i'm going to i'm going to text
2: him tonight because i know the guy where yeah. we hunt that does all the management and everything so
0: yeah that's definitely question. probably something i should follow up on Cross your T's and dot your I's on that, but (laughs) you got to be careful with those dove fields, Josh. (laughs) Mm -hmm. You you never know what can happen. So um, uh, yeah, so I guess that's a good point to transition. How'd your how'd your dove opener go?
1: Uh, Dove opener was all right. We shot two doves and a pigeon. It wasn't the greatest day. (laughs) It's been pretty rough around here for doves. Like you see a bunch, but then a bunch is only like 30. I'd like to see like 80 in a spot, but it's just been like driving down the road. You see two here, one there, two over here. And it's just been kind of tough finding a good spot to dove hunt. And then all the public dove fields, they were pretty much garbage this year as well. So mm. it's been tough. I had a decent hunt on Monday. We, I think we shot seven. So it wasn't horrible. And yeah, yeah, it was, it was mediocre at best. I've had worse. I've had a lot better.
0: Yeah, well, that's, I guess that's how it goes sometimes. Um, were, were the farmers late putting corn in Kansas as well with all the flooding?
1: I don't think it was that late. Mm-mm. There was a pretty good gap to plant corn, and now corn's, like, super
2: good looking. Yeah, they got yeah. it done. They got it done just fine.
0: So are they going to be a uh, silage soon around your area?
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think they're pretty okay. much on normal, on normal go with it. It was funny because when we were getting all, we've been flooded here since May. I mean, all our reservoirs have been in not just in flood stage, like 10, 12 feet above flood stage since early May. And I was talking to my farmer buddy during that time, and he was like, "Well, yeah, we're getting a lot of water, but the, you know the, I, I don't know exactly how the cycles work, but they were able to get it all planted, and the corn looks mm-hmm. great right now. I nice, wish there should nice. be lots of birds. That's what I'm hoping, because we have no duck food in our reservations in our reservoirs. Mm-mm. So I'm hoping that um, once you know, with all the good corn and everything, late November and December, that the birds are still using the water just as a loafing ground in these areas once they suck water out of them.
1: Yeah. And another thing to add on there is we'll get ducks regardless. They're going to pass through here. We might only have them for a day or two before yeah. they move on, but it's still a place for them to stop through after when they're migrating and they can stop off, get a drink, find some food somewhere. And if they're not happy, they can move out. But it's I don't think it's anything to be super concerned about. Ducks will find food regardless.
2: Yeah, the only problem is that when you have such a really, really good food source, they'll keep coming back and back and back, and Mm -hmm. if you don't, then they just get... So hunting those little remote spots is going to be a lot more effective, I think, because anything with pressure, if you don't catch them on a front, they've got no reason to go back to it. Yeah. So just finding them is going to be the key.
0: Wouldn't you think that they'd stick around some of those spots just as loafing ponds um, and go Mm -hmm. more to the, the corn in the fields? for their food source then if you don't have it out there in public land?
1: Yeah. So in pretty much November, late November, December, and January, you're going to find a lot of birds roosting on a lake, loafing on a pond, feeding in a field. That's generally where you're going to find them. And so early season, it might be a little bit tough, but I think there's enough water that, I don't know, it could be a crapshoot. I've got, I've, maybe I've just got high hopes that I can make something work, Yeah, but I don't think it'll be too bad. I, I think, think December
2: and January are going to be good. I think November is going to be the struggle.
1: Yeah, it will be. And if you think about it, how many ducks have you killed on a farm pond with no food in it? A lot. So there's got to be some methodology here. We just got to figure it out.
2: Yeah, the public land in November is going to be the struggle because... Uh, at this point, hopefully the, by November, at least the lakes are down under flood stage. If they would just get under flood stage where you could have some consistent, like at least pools that, you know, and cause at flood stage, there's so much water everywhere. I'm thinking, what we might do if it stays at that is just hit the, hit the areas, the reservoirs at shooting time and just boat and see where we're flood where they might be going in that day or where we're flushing them from and set up there. If, if it continues to be flooded.
1: Mm-hmm. That's my biggest concern is that things are, are flooded. I talked to a wildlife area manager a couple of weeks ago and they said that they haven't been able to get any water off the marshes
2: this year. Yeah. I'm They're Just it's since may, it's not even just a little bit flooded. I know the area that I'm closest to is seven feet. I don't know. What are they um, seven feet? They've got to lose seven feet just to get under flood stage. They're, they're 14 feet high. And just to even get to where it's not considered flood, they got to drop a full seven, which that's a lot of water. And every time they start getting close, we get another dumping. It's just over and over again.
0: So uh, one one thing I forgot to ask you about um, with your dove hunt is uh, the pigeon was banded, so you want to go ahead and tell us about that?
1: It was a banded pigeon. It was (laughs) pretty cool. (laughs) Didn't expect it to be a banded pigeon. And apparently it was a racing pigeon. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so with a racing pigeon do they i know pigeons they home or whatever you want to call it so they go back to their their cage mm-hmm. right so would that one have gone back to your the cage is that what you're kind of getting at
1: either that or it got lost i don't know a lot of times homers don't make it back but i'm no pigeon mm-hmm. expert i just saw a pigeon fly over <laughs> when we we're dove hunting so we shot it
0: yeah yeah so, so you kind of mentioned us to beforehand um that and I, I never heard this either. I just thought, you know, a banded pigeon's just like a banded dove or duck or goose or anything else. Mm-hmm. So what's the story on that? So
1: I did some research and it turns out that banded pigeons most of them are banded for racing. So these owners band their pigeons so they know it's their pigeon. They take it out 5 600 miles away, let it go and it flies back home. And Ew. so that's kind of the purpose of the bands on them. So
0: okay either so that or somebody's
1: 4-h pigeon i don't know
0: gotcha so when, when you said a racing pigeon and again i've never looked this up i'm, I'm imagining like some like a miniature track with pigeons a little jockey on top of a pigeon <laughs> just, yeah just flying around in circles but no it's they take them 600 miles away and it's the first one to get back wins or something or
1: something like that that's from one little google search from what I found
0: out (laughs) so this poor pigeon was on it's way home and bang
1: (laughs) well I don't know it could have not been it could have well just got lost and grouped up with a bunch of other pigeons
0: yeah no that's probably so because I I know there's a farm um, around here and it's got some banded pigeons in there they're not going anywhere so (laughs) Mm -hmm. I just need one of those to come over my set and it hasn't happened yet (laughs) so definitely pretty cool um, but yeah, do you got any, uh, other big plans, um, for the season as far as trips and hunts lined up?
1: Well, I'll probably go to Nebraska a couple of times, go out to central Kansas a couple of times. Um, got a thing in November that I got to go to with a bunch of <laughs> weird guys that I don't even know. <laughs> and then, <laughs> um, other than that, I don't think I've got any other big plans. I try to stay pretty local and do my own thing.
0: Nice. The
1: plan is to kill ducks.
0: Yeah. As many and as often as possible.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but yeah, I guess, what does your Kansas season then look like if you're uh, just mostly staying home? You got, um, I guess, yeah, just just talk us through what you got planned for the season.
1: So, like, teal season and duck season? Yeah, yeah. So, next weekend... Hopefully, if everything plays out right, I'll be in Nebraska doing some teal hunting. Weekend after that, I'll be out in Central Kansas teal hunting. Then a couple weeks in between, teal season ends, and I'll be up back in Nebraska doing opening day up there first weekend in October. And Then I'll go back to Central Kansas the weekend after that. Then wait a week, and boom, big duck season starts here, and it's go time. So it's going nice. to be a lot of traveling here in the next couple of months. But after that, it's all staying home and doing everything around here for the most part. I don't really plan too far ahead. I I usually, if anything, I plan two weeks in advance.
0: Yeah. No, it's probably best to do that with weather mm-hmm. if you can help it. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you can't, but uh, you know when you can, it probably helps success rate right, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, when it but, when it comes uh,
2: to opening up season around us, there's no reason to plan because you know it's like you don't know what you're gonna do. I'm kind of the same as you. It's like plan out September and October, and then when it, when it opens up locally, you gotta play it by ear.
1: Yeah. That's all why right. You, well, we've
0: done this before. But, a, uh,
1: you really love that.
0: go jordan (laughs) all right um so we've done this before in the past but um it's been a while so let's go ahead and run through the lightning round with you um so quick questions quick answers and just uh, a way for everyone to get to know you a little better as a hunter so uh what gun do you shoot
1: sx4 winchester three and and what is
0: your dream gun
1: SX-4, Winchester, three and a half Is it really? Inch. I don't care. I just shoot it because I have it. I don't have a dream gun. Maybe a Benelli. Okay. I'm not a big gun enthusiast.
0: Nice. Is that S- SX-4 new this year?
1: I've had it for a couple of years now. Okay. The cool. only problem I've had with it was the charging handle fell out and I had to get a new one.
0: Mm. Yeah, I've heard that is an issue with, with certain guns. Um. And then what kind of ammo you're running? Federals. And uh, what size shot do you use for ducks?
1: Two shot, three inch.
0: And for geese?
1: Three and a half inch double B. Deal. Six shot.
0: And uh, what kind of choke are you running? Modified. For all three?
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That's all I run is modified choke.
0: Nice. You know, Elliot's making the switch to extra full this year. He's... Oh. had enough and <laughs> not
2: true well you know I just want to kill him or miss him not if they're at five yards full you know
0: <laughs> Elliot you can tell it gets under Elliot's skin when I say that so Elliot needs I just to open, open up that. his
1: choke
2: instead of tighten it up <laughs> yeah <laughs>
0: Elliot <laughs> wants a cylinder or skeet. He wants a skeet choke. Hey,
2: Fumblemitz has been using an improve for the past three years, and he's shooting like seventy percent. But he doesn't hardly pull the trigger. I'll say that he yeah. doesn't shoot anything. It's got its little web feet barely off the water.
0: <laughs> <laughs> got to have one toe touching there. It it's not uh, Yeah. It's not fully committed.
2: <laughs> yeah, I will say when he switched that improve, but he's the most conservative uh, shooter I've ever seen in my life. As far as what he'll pull the trigger on, it's unbelievable.
1: Only if it's banded.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Funny thing about him, and, he uh, the first mallard duck he ever shot was banded. And he's been hunting a good thirty, duck hunting a good thirty, thirty-five years. And he hasn't shot another band since then.
0: Hmm. Mm. only he would have sky bust a little bit more.
2: Yep. That's my keep telling him, man. Just spray and pray. <laughs> spray and pray, fumbles.
0: And uh do you use a face paint face paint or face mask? Neither. And uh <laughs> What's, what's your thought on that? Let's just hear that then.
1: Well, I just try my best to keep my head down, pull my hat down, grow out a nice full beard. The main thing is just, just keep your head tucked and look out the corners. That's what I've found works the best.
0: Awesome. I, I, I say this all the time, but I just like the face paint because it looks cool. So, <laughs> um, And then uh, spinner, no spinner, jerk rig?
1: Depends on the day. I Usually run spinners in the early season late season I tend to not put them in unless we're in a field and a jerk rig I really only break out when it's pretty still
0: and um as far as uh mojos go, um, I'm gonna throw this one in for Elliot because we had a little bit of a back and forth on this but uh do you think that um a till uh no a dove mojo will work for till
1: yeah. I killed doves over a teal mojo. (laughs) No, it works great. It works great. (laughs) Don't be so hyper focused on what it looks like. All they're gonna see is the flipping wings and then steel being slung at them. They're not gonna look at see. Oh, that's a dove and that's a teal. But it feels (laughs)
2: like the rotation of a dove spinner is faster. It rotates. I feel like it rotates at a at a faster. It does. I I think a, a little bit. It's a more excited duck. (laughs) <laughs> okay. and and here here's now we went through this whole thing about it and i did at the end say that i probably think that it didn't matter but part of it is that i wanted yeah, to look yeah. like a duck but out of all the times we used a spinner the only time i've seen a hawk aggressively go after a spinner was with a dove and so my thinking was okay was that just coincidence or could the hawk tell the difference and <laughs> i know i'm way over analyzing it I know. probably
1: coincidence
2: yeah probably so probably
0: and then um, what's your favorite terrain to hunt? Terrain? Just uh, any type of um, habitat.
1: Okay. I thought you said train. like choo-choo. <laughs> um, <laughs> you seem so confused about the word terrain. I'm BNSF. Like, <laughs> favorite terrain, fields. I love hunting fields. You don't get nice. wet.
0: I think... Um, yeah, that's definitely a, a interesting one because we do get that from time to time, people picking fields. But for me, I think the thing that makes fields less appealing is when you have a dog because uh, getting wet or watching your dog work in the water is awesome. <laughs> mm. So so there's a little bit of difference there for sure. Yeah, um, but
1: I just, I feel like hunting ducks in a field, There's no, there's nothing better than that. Maybe honkers over water, but ducks in a field, it's hard to beat
2: you gotta let yeah. me tag along this year on a field hunt because i have very i've been on one field hunt for mallards and it was fun but it was like blowing 25 miles an hour <laughs> so it's like you sit up and get one shot and they're gone but you gotta let me tag mm-hmm. along on one this year
1: yeah i'll see if i can get one we didn't have any last year it was a weird year so hopefully yeah. it happens I- this year
0: I've definitely not done a lot of them, um, but yeah, I can. I definitely can see the appeal on that. I'll um, tell you what,
2: Josh. We'll, we'll we'll trade out. I'll take you on a, a nice river hunt with our boat, and you take me on a field hunt.
1: I'll see what <laughs> I can do. All right.
0: And uh, am I missing anything, Elliot? I don't think so. Awesome. All right. Um, anything else you want to add here at the end, Josh? Nope. Just hit, hit Alrighty, him up with well. your
2: social media stuff again.
1: Yeah. yeah. So go ahead and follow me on YouTube. It's Outdoor Limits. Subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell. And then I've also got a Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, and Facebook. Twitter. I don't even really use Twitter. I don't know why I even do that anymore. But I've got <laughs> Facebook. And my Snapchat is KS Fisherman, And then uh, Instagram is Outdoor.Limits. And I've also got a website, outdoorlimitsshop.com.
0: Sweet. Alrighty, well, we appreciate you coming on, and uh, we're definitely looking forward to doing more work and collabs together um, in the future with the Flyways Collective. But as always, awesome having it on, on you here and uh, talking duck hunting. Any last words, Elliot?
2: Nope, I appreciate you coming on here and really looking forward to the collabs, especially that November one ought to be a blast. Glad, you're, glad you joined up with us.
0: Alrighty, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. I am Jordan from Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and Josh from Outdoor Limits, and we'll see you guys on the next one.